0: I made an executive decision uh, what we're going to read. I, I want to read the whole, cha- uh, not the whole chapter, but uh, verses 1 through 24, um, which I don't have in your notes. So um, I've asked Nathan to read, so if you read verses 1 through 24 of the chapter. Yes.
1: Therefore, if there is any consolation, And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, Salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights. Seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son of his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly.
0: Okay, so here I I read the whole chapter because I think there's a a point here that Paul is making. We're focusing on Timothy this morning. I call this Timothy Faithful Servant Number One. Uh, Actually, and we'll get to the second, he's not number one. We'll see in the passage. Um, But we have some commands in the first part of the chapter. In verse 2, to let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Um, Let each esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4, or actually that's verse 3, sorry. Verse four is uh, let each of you look out only for his own interest but also the interests of others. Verse five let this mind be in you as also in Christ Jesus. So yeah, verses three through five we have these commands that were given, and we discussed these already. So I'm not going to go into detail about what our mindset is supposed to be like, what we're supposed to think like, um, and then uh, verse twelve it talks about our sanctification that we work out our own salvation. Uh, we trembling in fear. Verse 13 talks about that God will do his work in us as we're doing that. Um, and then we get some commands like do all things without complaining and disputing. Um, Hold fast the word of life in verse 16. Um, and, and we see that this section goes from our mindset to the practical application of that. Um, and so when we come to this, I think we, we're tempted as we read this to say, okay, Paul's changing subjects here. He's going to, okay, now... Let me talk about Timothy a little bit. Let me change the subject. But I think Paul is continuing on in his thought process here. And I think he's giving us examples of what this looks like this whole process of having the right mindset and then then acting the right way. Um, And he gives us several examples here in verse 5 through 11. Whoops, I can't even write this morning. Uh, We have. uh, Jesus Christ is our first example. Let this mind be new, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then it describes what his mindset was and then what that looked like practically. That he came to earth, he became in the form of man, he humbled himself to the point of death. And then it talks about how he was rewarded by God for that. And then we see in verses 16 and 17, Paul actually gives himself as a little bit of an example here, how he's sacrificing his self um, being poured out as a drink offering, he sacrificed himself even to the point of death to serve and minister to the church. And so I think what's happening here in verse 18, is it verse 18, um, 19. Thank you. I don't think I changed that on the notes today. That's bad. That, okay. 19 through 23 here, we see an example of Timothy. And Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy, but then he describes Timothy's character. And if you look at the way he describes some of this, you see some of the same things he's been teaching throughout this chapter as part of Timothy's character. So I think he's an example. And then in verses 25 to the end of the chapter um, is Epaphroditus, which we're going to talk about probably in January at this point. I don't, I'm not going to spell it right, so you know who it is. Um, so anyway, so I think that while this looks like, and another reason why I think this, that is, this isn't just, oh, let's just change subjects and bring up Timothy, why fit this, this fits the flow of this, is where in the Paul's letters, when he starts bringing up people, where does he bring them up? Normally. At the end of the book, right? It's always, so-and-so greets you, I hope to send this person... Greet this person. That that always happens at the end of the closing of the book. This is right in the middle. Why would he do this differently in this book? I think it's because he's trying to say, hey, here's what I've commanded you to do. Here's what you need to be doing as a Christian. Your mindset needs to be this way. Your actions need to be this way. Uh, you You need to be like Jesus Christ is the first example. Look at me. I'm sacrificing myself for the ministry. Here's Timothy. Here's another guy. I'm saying him to you, but look at his character. Look at how he acts. He is doing what I've just told you to do. So I think he's giving us another example here. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm treating it a little bit this way, that we're going to look at not the point that Paul's sending Timothy, but Paul's saying, look at Timothy and his character. Here's an example for you. Here's the way you should be. Um, again, we're, we're going to go very quickly through this today, partially because I knew we wouldn't have as much time. Um, partially there's no actual command to the church here. Um, This is describing Timothy, so uh, this is the word of God, this is important, right? I'm not going to say that this isn't important, but uh, we're looking at his character, and um, I think we can do that a little bit quicker uh, without the command. So first of all, I want to look at who Timothy was. Um, Acts 16 uh, gives our first introduction to Timothy, kind of where Paul met Timothy. Um, So let's read verses 1 through 3 of Acts 16. Go ahead, Matt. So we see here when Paul first meets, meets Timothy that Timothy's already saved. He's already a disciple there. Um, and uh, Paul you know, decides that he's going to take Timothy along, that Timothy's valuable. In Acts 15, we see Paul and Barnabas split up in their ministry, and Paul and Silas go one way, and Barnabas and Mark go the other way. Um, So here, Paul is bringing on Timothy, some extra help to bring along. He sees some faithfulness in Timothy. Uh, We know from Paul's letters to Timothy that that Timothy was probably saved because of the faith of his mother and his grandmother who probably influenced him and maybe even led him to Christ. Uh, And so, at this point, Paul meets him and he's saved. He's a disciple. Paul obviously sees some faithfulness in him that he's going to take him along in his ministry. He sees... uh, some maturity that's there. I, I don't think that Paul would take an untrained person with him, and so Timothy already at this point is someone who Paul can trust with the work of the ministry. Um, we see uh, in one Corinthians four seventeen. Next verse we're going to read is how Paul thinks of Timothy. So let's have another reader. First Timothy or First Corinthians four seventeen. Go ahead, Ted. And we see that Paul has a certain affection for Timothy, a certain closeness here. He calls him his beloved son, obviously not real son for two reasons. One, we just read that his father was a Greek, so it wasn't Paul. But also he says, in the Lord here. So uh, Paul sees him as a, a son in the fact that he's bringing him up in the training of the Lord. He's, he's teaching him the ministry. Um, he's like a father figure to him, and, and we'll see that again. So Paul has a certain closeness with Timothy already. In fact, in Philippians 1, this letter is from Paul and from Timothy. So Timothy is with Paul, and we'll see that in the passage here that that's true. Um, one more passage that talks about the relationship, First uh, 1 Timothy 1-2. Another reader, please. Go ahead, Abigail. Timothy, Grace, mercy, and
1: God, Father,
0: and Jesus. So here, a true son in the faith. So I think it's more than just... Um, someone who, you know, he's just, he's just saying he's saved by saying he's a son in the faith, but I think he's saying a true son of faith, someone who's faithful, someone who's serving. Obviously, again, when Paul meets Timothy in Acts, he's already saved, so it's not, he's not even saying that I led him to Christ, so he's my son in that respect, in the faith, but that he I think is talking about his faithfulness, his willingness to serve, his desire uh, to do what God wants him to do, so uh, we see this about Timothy, and this is just a short introduction. There's a lot more. The books of First and Second Timothy give us a lot more insight. Timothy had his struggles. Um, he had things that Paul was saying, you know, you need to do this. You need to be bold in the faith. You need to uh, make sure you're preaching right. Uh, there's a lot of things that Timothy was instructed to do. So we know that he wasn't a perfect guy, but he was one who was willing to serve, uh, who was mature enough that Paul desired to take him along in his missionary journeys. So that's Timothy. And, and then we get an introduction to him in uh, Philippians 2.19, uh, where Paul says, "By trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. And so we see Timothy's availability. Wow, and that is a terrible marker. Let's try this one. I probably spelled it wrong. Yep, I did. Um, So his availability. And here we see that Paul is going to send Timothy in his place. He had, Timothy was with him. He was available to serve. And Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you in place of me. Now, Paul couldn't leave because he was under house arrest in Rome. And his comings and goings weren't determined by what he wanted to do. He had to wait for the Roman government to either decide to free him or further imprison him or, or execute him. And he wasn't sure how that would turn out. But he's able to send Timothy in his place. And so Timothy's going to go. He's available. Um, this is not something that um, is unusual. We've just read 1 Corinthians 4.17 For this reason I have sent Timothy to you. So Paul Trust Timothy to send him. He's available to serve, and he has sent him in the past. Another passage we see that is 1 Thessalonians 3 1 and 2. Uh, Who would like to read? Go ahead, Lynn. So here, they're, they're, uh, Paul wants to send somebody to the Thessalonian church, and he pulls out Timothy and says, I'm going to send Timothy. And he describes him as his brother, his minister in the gospel, a fellow laborer in the gospel. You can see the faithfulness of Timothy. He's working, he's doing the work of the ministry, and Paul trusts him to do that. And even that, he trusts Timothy to be able to do what God wants him to do, which is to encourage them concerning their faith, that... Timothy has the skills and the training necessary to do that, and so Timothy's available. He's willing to go. And Paul sends him. And in this case, he's going to send him to the Philippians. Now, what's the purpose? The purpose is that Paul may be encouraged. He wants to know what's going on. Um, you didn't have email. You couldn't make a phone call. Um, the only way you could find out what's going on in a faraway place is by sending somebody. And he's going to send Timothy to be encouraged, and he wants to know their state. He wants to know how they're doing. And here, their state is the idea of how are they How are they spiritually? Are they walking with God? Are they doing what's right? Are they, you know, the Philippians were in a place where they were going through trials. There are people in prison there. And, you know, are they strong in their faith? Are, you, are they trusting God through these trials? He wants to know that. He wants to know their state. And so it, it's a good thing um, for Paul to know what's going on in their lives. And I think for us... You know, do we want to know what's going on in each other's lives? Do we want to know how people are doing? Do we talk to people about their walk, about you know how, 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 are you, how is your Bible reading? What are you learning? How are you growing? Where are your struggles? What can I pray for you for? That ought to be first and foremost in our lives when we're talking to people, like where are you at? What is your state? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? How can I come alongside you and build you up? We ought to be doing that with each other. And, and Paul desired that with the Philippians. And even though he couldn't be there, he was willing to send Timothy to, to make sure that he knew what was going on so that he could be an encouragement to this Philippian church. So Timothy was available. Um, Philippians 2, 20 to 21 says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which have, are of Christ Jesus. I call this Timothy's proven character. Now, I stole this from the next section because um, the next verse it says uh, that uh, Timothy's proven character. But I, I want to use character in a different way. The next verse talks about his character and the way he lives. This is his character and the type of person that he is. Um, and he starts off by saying, For I have no one like-minded. Now, the reason I read all the way from the beginning of the chapter is because we have, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ. So you have uh, things like... Uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That deals with our mindset. Let each one esteem others better than himself. That deals with the way we think. Let each one of you not look out for his own interests, but also the interests of others. That uh, That is based on how we view others. And so this is why it fits, fits in, I think, is because now Paul's saying Timothy is like minded. He has this mind that we've been talking about at the beginning of the chapter. And I just knocked the mic off the second time, so I can mark that down. Yep. So. So he's, Timothy has this like mind. He has, he's thinking the same way Paul is. He's focused on the right things. He's focused on serving. So he can send Timothy to the Philippians to minister, to encourage them, to build up them because he knows that Timothy has that same mindset that he's going to do that because that's what Paul would do. So he's like-minded. Um, so we, we looked at uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 5 there. He also says, uh, who will sincerely care for your state. So he has a sincerity about him, that he, he truly cares. This word sincerity has, it means genuinely care. In fact, the word care here um, is a word that means to be anxious and most often is used as worry or anxiety. Um, you know, The Bible talks about be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. That's the same word. When Jesus talks about um, do not worry about tomorrow, that's the same word. So in most, a lot of times this is used as a negative thing. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Trust God. Here the idea is a positive idea that he, he's, he's generally caring, he's generally anxious for them in a way that he cares about their state. He has the sincerity that he loves and cares about these people. And Paul sending him because he has that attitude. Not only is he like-minded to Paul, but he cares he wants what's best for the Philippian church. He's going to do what's going to help them to grow in the Lord. Uh First Corinthians twelve twenty-five and twenty-six. Uh Who would like to read that? Go ahead, Jonathan. So
1: there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice
0: with it. So in First Corinthians twelve, this is where. Paul deals with the body of Christ and, you know, that we're all joined and knit together, each one effectively doing its part. And, and he brings up this point here that the members should have the same care, same word here, by the way, uh, the same care for each other. We should be concerned about each other. We should um, should love one another enough that we see needs, we meet needs, we serve, we help build each other up. That's how the body should work. In fact, he gives an example. If the body's hurting, if someone in the body's hurting, we ought to hurt with them. Um, you now, not to bring up uh, things that make people sad, but uh, just recently, uh, Andy Stearns' uh, wife went to be home with the Lord. And while we rejoice that she has gone with the Lord, uh, we know that um, Mr. Stearns is hurting. He's going through some hard times that a lot of people don't go through. We ought to be hurting with him. I, I'm, I'm thankful in some ways, not that Sue passed away also, but I, I feel like I have a comfort that I got from God that I know what it, what it feels like, I know what he's going through, and I can be there for him. And he actually said, you know, when things kind of calm down, let's get together and have lunch. I want to talk with you, and I, I want to be there for him because he's part of the body, and I want to serve him and help him and comfort him with the comfort that God has given me. And so there's opportunities all around us. And it doesn't have to be something as extreme as that. You know, people can be having difficulty at their jobs. They can have difficulty in their relationships. They could just be, feel like nothing's going right in their life, and we can be there, and if they're hurting, we should be hurting with them and supporting them in that. But also, here, and it gives a positive, if one member's honored, all members rejoice with it. You know, that's how the body works, too. If, if things are going well, if people are growing, if they're doing what God wants them to do, we rejoice in that. We're excited about that. We want that. So um, we ought to have a sincerity for each other, a love for each other that reflects in this way. And then um, he ends this a passage, part of the passage here. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So I think I'm going to take this from the negative, from the all seek their own, to spin this positively, that that Timothy was a guy who sought the things which are of Christ. He sought the things that God wants, that Christ wants for him. He wanted to do the will of God. Uh, let's read Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Someone would read that, please. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Then you are with Christ, things are above, so if then you were raised with Christ, you know, that sounds like if maybe you were raised with Christ. No, it's this is idea you were raised with Christ. And since you were raised with Christ, this is what you ought to do. You ought to seek those things which are above. We ought to focus on the things of God, the things of Christ. Uh, where Christ is, is sitting, sitting at the right hand of God. And that goes on to say, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Where is our focus as Christians? Are we focused on the things of God? Are we focused on who God is and what God wants us to do? Are we focused on... You know, and I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Are we focused on the Packer-Buccaneer game this afternoon? I am going to watch it, but that ought to not be my whole focus. There was a time in my life when the Packers lost. I was grumpy for three days. That shouldn't happen. That's not a Christian thing. My focus ought to be on the things of God. And maybe I watch a game, but I don't let it distract me. I don't let it be my focus. And if there's important things to do, who cares about the football game? I need to do the things of God. And do we focus on the things above? Do we focus on, and, and in this, this scenario where we're talking about the church and building up the church, do we focus on serving others around us and doing uh, what God wants us to do to help people grow, to help people in their walk? Or are we focused on our own things? Um, even early in the, the, this book, you know, where Paul says, you know, some preach Christ from selfish ambition, and some preach Christ from sincerity, you know, he says, my focus is that the gospel's preached. But there's an idea there that what is your attitude? Are you focused on doing things for your glory? Even what seems like what we call religious godly things, or are we focused on bringing glory to Christ? Are we focused on the things above? And Timothy was the type of guy, he was like-minded. He was sincere and genuine in his care for the church. And he was focused on the right things. And so that's his proven character. Philippians 2.22 says, But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So I, I think this is more just Timothy's proven faithfulness. Um, this phrase, you know his... But you know his proven character. I tried to do a literal translation of this, and it it comes out to you, but you are knowing the truth of him. It doesn't actually use the word character or proving. You know the truth of him. You know what Timothy's really like. His testimony speaks for itself. You can look at Timothy, and you can see how he is serving the Lord. Uh, Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16.10. Go ahead, Isabel. And here's one of those passages where at the end of the passage, at the end of the book, Paul's talking about uh, Timothy here. So that's, that's that's normal. But it says here at the end, for he does the work of the Lord. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. His character's faithful. He's uh, been diligent to be doing the right things. And, and Paul says his testimony, you know the truth of him. You know what he's like. You know how Timothy's acting. Can people say that about you? Can people say... I'm gonna pick on Nathan. Nathan, we know your character. We know what you are. Well, that's <laughs> you say that jokingly, but you don't want to be go and say, "Oh, that's unfortunate." I, I wish you didn't know what it's like. You, you, you want to have a testimony that people say, "Hey, look at Nathan. He's the guy who's serving. He's doing what's right. He's serving God." And Nathan's not gonna do it perfectly. I understand that. None of us are going to. But is our overall character, is our overall lifestyle showing that we want to serve God and do what he wants us to do. And Timothy was the type of guy that did that. And In fact, Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 22, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And so he served like a son. He was the type of person that, and you think about, like, when you have a son who really looks up to his father and wants to be like his father and um, I've had this where I've gone out to work on a project or something. And Caleb, a lot of times now, will come out and say, hey, Dad, can I help you with that? He wants to do what I do. He wants to help with the project. And if I'm, I'm doing something, he'll do that. Nathan used to be like that. Nathan's now so busy that I don't think he has as much time as he used to. Um, but, but that's what a son does when they look up to their father. They want to participate in that. They want to do what he's doing. They want to learn what he's learning, and Timothy was like that. He, he served with Paul. He wanted to do what Paul was doing. He wanted to be faithful like Paul, and he showed that in his character, and Paul says he has done that. He served like a son. If we go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 4.17, um, Paul calls him my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. He was faithful in the Lord. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And Paul says you can look at him. You know the truth of who Timothy is. You know, he has the right attitude, he has the right viewpoint, but he's also serving faithfully. He's doing what God wants him to do. And then one more point here, and I think we will get done early. Uh, Philippians 2.23, he says, Therefore I hope to send them at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. So I think Timothy's willingness here we see. In this case, Paul wants to send them to the Philippians. And we see that he wants to send them at once, and there's a kind of implied sense here that Timothy is going to go. When Paul's ready to send him, Timothy's off and going. He's willing to go. Um, So, therefore, I hope to send him at once. He's going to send him immediately. And he adds one caveat. As soon as Paul knows his fate, um, as soon as I know how it goes with me, because remember... Uh, remember Paul talked about in uh, Philippians 1, 21-25 that to live is Christ and to die is gain and he doesn't know which he'll choose and kind of the idea that he doesn't know what his fate is going to be, God has not revealed that to him yet, whether he's going to survive this imprisonment or not uh, even whether he's going to be released or not um, but his desire was to serve the church and to come to them and minister to them and in verse 24 which I didn't include in this um, in verse 24 here it says, But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So I think he has a belief that he is going to be released and he's going to be able to come to them. But until then, he's going to send Timothy, who's willing to go, who's willing to serve. And it begs the question, are we willing to serve how God wants us to? Um, you know, sometimes missionaries come into the church and and part of their message, part of their um, their plea is that, you know, Consider if God's called you to the mission field. And you know they're, part of it, they're trying to share what they're doing. Part of it, they're trying to recruit other people to go where the Lord wants them to go. And um, sometimes it gets a little bit, you have missionary after missionary saying this, but the idea is the same. Are you considering to go where God wants to go? And I'm not saying you have to go to Africa or Asia or South America or something like that. But God's called you here to serve. God's called you in this church, in your community, in the place you live, in the place you work, to be a light for Christ, to be an example of who Christ is, to be a mirror of the gospel. And are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Here, Timothy was willing to go. Timothy was willing to be sent immediately by Paul. And that's part of his character there. Um, So before I get to the takeaways, I'm going to open this up for any questions you might have or any comments. And then I'll give you two quick takeaways here. Everybody's quiet today. Okay. Takeaways. So I have Timothy as an example of what Christians should think like and what a Christian should act like. Paul saw his faithfulness and his willingness to serve and trust him to do the work of the ministry. The application here, we likewise should be faithful that we can be trusted to do what Christ wants us to do. Um, it's just, it, it's, we're called to serve. We are, um, uh, Ephesians 2.10 uh, says, uh, we, are, we are God's workmanship in Christ, created to do good works. We're, our, our whole point, the whole goal, the whole reason for saving us is that we do the things of God, that we serve him, that we are faithful to his cause and to his call. So we should be faithful to, to be, that we can be trusted to do what Christ wants us to do. We should be doing that. And even if it's hard, we should be doing what God wants us to do. Second one here, when there are others who are serving faithfully and acting righteously, we can look to them as examples in our life. Paul lifted up all these people as examples. He lifted up himself a lot of times, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That kind of idea, he's, he's, he's showing Timothy, here's Timothy, you know his character, you know who he is, you know what his mindset is. You know, I think it's a good thing to, to be able to look at some examples and say, hey, that person's really serving. I want to be like them and do what they're doing. Again, nobody's perfect, nobody is without sin, but there are people who are faithfully serving God in Christ, and we should not be afraid to say, hey, that they're doing the right thing. Let's, let's try to be like them. Um, so we can look to them as examples in our lives. We should learn from them and be encouraged by their faithful lifestyle. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The Bible over and over, Paul gives examples of people who are serving faithfully. And I think that's for us to see that it's not just somebody like Paul. It's not just somebody like Peter. It's not just you know the apostles that can do these things. We can serve faithfully and be who God wants us to be. And so I, I think... It's a good thing to have Christian role models, Christian examples in your life that you can say, hey, that's somebody who's faithfully serving. I want to be more like that. Any thoughts or questions now? Yes? Comments to you? Yeah, that's fine. I am tracking with you. I, th- I think partially that is true. Uh, Timothy is obviously an example to the church. We also see, you know, from especially from the books of First and Second Timothy, that Timothy was still one who was growing and was learning from Paul. Um, and, you know, in Second Timothy, it talks about the things you've heard from me, from Paul. You commit them to mit- faithful men who will be able to serve others. Also, there is a pattern of, you know, Paul's been teaching Timothy. Timothy's to be passing that on to the next generation. That generation passes on to the next generation. So there's this discipleship model where Timothy was being discipled by Paul. So I think both are true (laughs) to to answer that. Um, I think it's good uh, we've talked a lot about discipleship and as a smaller church sometimes it's hard to have a formal discipleship but there ought to be some discipleship in your life. There ought to be people who are I'll use the term mentor. I don't like the term mentor always, but somebody who you can go to and say, hey, I I, I need some help. I need somebody to talk to. I, I'm in a situation I'm not sure what to do, not sure what the right response is, that you can talk to them and know that they're going to give you faithful advice. As you're growing, you should also be pulling people under your wings and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I want to help you grow. I want to teach you the things I learned. I think that's very important. So um, to answer your question, I think both are true. Well, it's it's also probably a neat point here. I think this maybe is kind of what you're getting at too is that we're not in this alone. We ought to be co workers. We ought to be yeah. ministering alongside of each other. Even if you're, you know, Paul and Timothy, it did have this, it looks like this discipling relationship where Paul was over Timothy in some ways, but Timothy also participated in the ministry and shared in that ministry of Paul. So even if, you know, I'll use my kids as an example. As a parent, my job is to disciple my kids. My job is to raise them up in training and training the mission of the Lord. There's a there's that relationship. But, you know, eventually I want them to serve. Abigail and Nathan and I have been leading music now for several years together. That's a ministry together where we're more co workers than me having a discipleship relationship over them, even though I'm still their father and I'm still, you know, there to be a spiritual mentor to them. Um, and You can look in other ways. I mean, that's just one example. So you can see that I think you can have both. You can you can have a discipleship relationship, but there ought to be a sharing of ministry also, and a partnership there. Ted. And if I could take, like, your salvation, like, somebody led you to Christ, head, Well, the person that led you to Christ, somebody led them to Christ. The person that led that person that led you to Christ, somebody led them to Christ. There's, there's this generation imparting this, and, you know, I think, yeah, I'm using this in, uh, like, the salvation type sense, but those people that led you to Christ, they had some training somewhere along the way because they knew enough to be able to Relay the gospel accurately to a point that you understood it and were able to trust Christ as your Savior. Um, and you're obviously here now, in a sense, being discipled at least within the con- the, the context of the church through the, the the word being preached and taught in different ways, uh, through the fellowship you're having with other believers. There's at least the informal going on there where you're growing in Christ, and, and as as that continues, you know, eventually, you know, people like uh, well, take me. I'm gonna die someday, or Christ will return, or I'll be at a point where I just can't physically do it anymore. Somebody else is gonna step in and take over, hopefully, and be teaching. the The, the point is to keep training people to do that. That to teach faithful men to teach others, also. That kind of concept. So, yes, there ought to be that continuing on and on like that, like you're saying. So, that's that's good. I think I said the same thing you did in Word of Your Way. <laughs> okay, I thought I was doing really good because that clock, it says 25 after, but I forgot that that clock says stop. So i have actually two minutes for being done here. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you ask any more questions or comments afterwards, but let's go ahead and we'll close. Um, Lynn, will you close us in prayer?